Welcome to Radio. I'm Shay Kuna. Today's piece comes from Catherine LaCroix. It's been three years since the end of the world. Now, the surviving clans struggle against one another to reshape the survivors into their individual visions of utopia. Based on Nordic mythology, Valkyrie charges headlong into the eternal fight of fate versus destiny. Please enjoy Valkyrie. Winter One, Chapter One, Bryn. The evening was another brutal one. The wind danced with sub-zero temperatures as if the world had never known differently. Bryn clutched at a thick blanket around her shoulders, bare hands shaking in a last-ditch effort to generate heat. The roaring bonfire before her did little to assist. Where'd you say you were from? A gruff voice sounded beside her, interrupting the chattering of her teeth. California. Bryn did her best to smile at the small joke. If you mean a clan, I don't have one. Everyone has a clan, he grunted, stealing a swig of God knows what from a chipped bottle in his hand. Despite the cold, he wore a short-sleeved shirt that clipped above his heavy-set biceps. Maybe this one would take me? She suggested with a shrug. He eyed her with a careful precision, gaze lingering on her shivering shoulders and grime-covered fingers. After another swig from the bottle, he finally spoke. Don't know if you're new around these parts, but Jormunday the fan of women. Sides, do you even know how to sail? I'm sure I could learn. Bryn suppressed the urge to laugh, burying it deep in the hope that it would abate the chill buried in her marrow. Of course she knew Jormund hated women. She knew this was the first time he'd made port in years. What she and her clan didn't understand was why. Why come to shore now? We'll see about that. He huffed, his doubt clear. Arnie, are you giving our guest a hard time? One of the few women in Jormund's band approached, throwing another armful of logs into the fire. Just got here and all. Didn't want her to get her hopes up. Arnie rolled his shoulders back, killing his drink with one long pull. Sure is a delicate little thing, though, miss. She paused, cocking her head. Celeste. Bryn lied easily, having rehearsed every small detail about her new identity while tracking down their camp. Miss Celeste. Pretty name. The compliment seemed more out of habit than truth. You can call me Tyra. It's a pleasure. Come with me. The captain wants to meet you. Nodding, Bryn pulled the blanket closer to her chin. Her thoughts lingered on her pack stuffed to the brim with clothing, drink, and gear to survive the harsh winter nights. She left it over a mile from Drummond's camp, and she missed it dearly every moment since. Have a pleasant evening, she nodded towards Arnie as she stood. Hmm, he replied, a flicker of disappointment crossing his face. Fewer women meant little company for the sailors. She was glad to be away from him. Come along, then. Tyra took Bryn's arm and led her into a maze of fur-lined tents and canopies. Don't mind, Arnie. Manners of a rabid dog, that one. She murmured when they were out of earshot. That's most people now, I think, Bryn mused, noting Tyra's rare kindness. But thank you. Even with the late hour, hundreds of people bustled about the encampment. Laughs and songs were heard while men set to work cooking, cleaning, building nets, and organizing crates. Others crowded around tables of cards and dice, mugs and bottles alike passed out in droves. A handful of women joined them, some participating in the games, others seated comfortably in the laps of sailors. 
From an outside perspective, it all seemed so harmless. Perhaps none of them understood the terror Dorman's name struck in the hearts of the other clan leaders. Or perhaps they took solace in that knowledge. Bryn felt a tingling fear creep up the back of her neck that had nothing to do with the cold. Tyra, why does he want to see me? Bryn spoke at last once they'd passed at least two dozen tents. Tyra regarded her with a curious glance. Captain prefers to know everyone wandering these grounds. Ah. Once she swallowed her surprise, she realized the reasoning was sound. Bryn was prepared to wait days, even weeks, before seeing the man himself. It would have been standard procedure in her own clan. An invitation the same night she arrived felt suspicious. Even so, she had to play along. Odette was depending on her. Her fellow Valkyries trusted her. She couldn't allow the opportunity to go to waste. Here we are. Tyra's words startled Bryn from her thoughts as they stopped suddenly in front of a tent just like any other, if only slightly larger. Upon closer inspection, Bryn found the furs to be of a higher quality and jet black in color. She couldn't remember the last time she'd seen an animal with such a pelt, and the man had crafted an entire tent out of it. Before she could consider hesitating, Tyra pulled back the entryway and gestured her to enter. Inside was blessedly warm, enough so that Bryn at last felt comfortable in her tattered jeans and thin shirt. The overpowering aroma of perfumes and incense assaulted her nostrils. Vertigo struck her for a moment as her eyes adjusted to the candlelight. When her vision cleared at last, she stole a precursory scan of the room. In one corner stood a bed adorned with thick blankets, flanked by a small table and a dresser made of polished wood. Both were drowned in pens, scrolls, and bottles of various sizes. Colorful carpets and rugs with intricate designs from around the world covered the floor in its entirety. Following their curious patterns, Bryn's stare landed on a woman of dark, exotic beauty reclined on a stack of lush pillows. Two long strings of pearls adorned her smooth skin, alongside flowing black hair, and little else. Her bare flesh betrayed no signs of cold or discomfort. It was as if Jorman's tent was protected from the frigid temperatures. She regarded Bryn with a tiny smile as she sipped from a golden goblet. With poorly concealed widened eyes, Bryn's gaze at last reached the back of the room. Two straight-backed men stood behind a giant wooden desk, their stares only for the newcomer. Captain Jormund, this is Celeste. Gorm's hunting group found her collapsed in wilds this morning. Says she's interested in joining us. Tyra bowed deeply, giving Bryn a push forward. Bryn mimicked the bow, daring not to move any closer than invited. It's a pleasure to meet you, sir. Tyra, leave us. With a wave of his hand, the taller of the two men dismissed her escort. Tyra left without another word. Bryn's stomach tightened. Come, sit. He motioned to the chair positioned in front of his desk. You know who I am. It wasn't a question. Yes, sir. She did her best to avoid his eyes, but found herself wrought with curiosity. Dorman stood well over six feet tall with broad shoulders and sharp features. He wore a simple tunic that cut at the elbows bare forearms covered with tattoos. Straight black hair was fastened away from his face in a tight braid. His tanned complexion spoke of many days beneath the sun. Calloused hands told tales of difficult days at sea, and piercing green eyes warned of a short temper. The scrutinizing stare he offered Bryn was serpentine in nature. Wine? Jorman's companion placed a glass before her, 
breaking their gaze. Bryn couldn't help her surprise as she studied the crystal. She'd been told that nearly all glass and crystal drinkware were destroyed in the end. Yes, please. She allowed the stammer. It wasn't like her. Better for Celeste. Blood-red liquid was poured from a large pitcher, shaping itself to the elegant curves of the glass. Odette's voice rang shrill in the back of her mind. Don't drink anything he gives you. Another glass was poured for Dorman from the same pitcher, and he took a drink as soon as his companion stepped back. It still wasn't enough to make her trust him. It was well known that Dorman was immune to as many poisons as he served, a number that made her dizzy when recounted. Bryn lifted the glass to her lips and feigned taking a sip. The smell was intoxicating, a quality even Odette's vast cellars couldn't procure. With much difficulty, she set the glass on the desk, wiping her lips with the back of her hand. An odd, burning sensation caressed her skin where the droplets had kissed. Intoxicating, indeed. Why are you here? Jormand asked, curt tone slicing through any pleasantries. Yesterday I got lost in the wilds. Your men... Bryn began, but found herself cut short by the captain. Isn't it interesting, Hyomar, that this is the third wanderer my men have brought me in the last fortnight? Jormand crossed his arms, gaze boring down on Bryn. Though this is the first woman. Hyomar. Jormand's Norn. It stood to reason that the captain would keep his oracle close. Hjalmar was dressed so plainly, Bryn would never have guessed. Odette's Norns had always stood apart from the crowd. Jorman's quick assumptions tied knots in Bryn's stomach. Perhaps this one is truly lost. Hjalmar wondered aloud, studying Bryn with careful scrutiny. Captain, sir, this world is filled with the lost. The wilds are a harsh place, and I would have died if you hadn't so graciously... I wouldn't count on your life just yet, Celeste. The weight he used for his pseudonym raised the hairs on the back of her neck. His focus turned to the relaxing woman. Darling, if you would. She nodded in silent reply before setting her goblet to the side and moving her feet. In a few swift movements, she had moved her stack of cushions aside, revealing the contorted shapes of two lifeless men splayed across the floor. The knots in Bryn's stomach tightened as she leapt from her chair. The flesh of the corpses was unusual for dead men. Their skin was tainted a purple hue, the color darkest at their chests and throats, moving in a gradient through each limb. They'd ingested the poisons, the both of them. The sweet smell of the incense contrasted the contorted corpses in a way that brought bile to her throat. Do you know them? Jormand asked, his words colder than the outside air. No, Bryn replied honestly. She studied the men with lightning speed, taking in any small details available. Like her, they'd abandoned any clothing, armor, or marks of their clans. He followed Thor, the woman said, placing a dainty foot over one body's face and shifting her weight onto it. Disgust twisted her lovely face. Foolish men tell pretty girls anything. The sound of collapsing bones reached Bryn, and she grimaced. Nabirie, Hjalmar interjected, performing a furious religious hand signal. Speaking ill of the dead was looked poorly upon to all Norns, it seemed. Which leaves you without a clan. Or? Jormund ignored his oracle, circling the desk and making his way behind Bryn. He was over a head taller than she, and used it to his advantage. Long fingers gently lifted her hair over her shoulders, revealing the back of her neck. A small tattoo of paired wings beneath her hairline betrayed her lie. You're a Valkyrie. Bryn struggled to keep her hands at her sides, 
undeterred by the blood peeking beneath the fingernails sticking into her palms. I mean you no harm, Jormund. Ah, they said the same, Jormund laughed, letting Bryn's hair fall to conceal her tattoo once more. He moved to retake his place at Hjalmar's side. Smart of you, though, not drinking the wine. Just kill her now, lover, the exotic woman called, her voice like a song. I want to see her beg. Before Jormund could weigh his options, Bryn moved behind Nibirie. Grasping at her thick mane, the Valkyrie pulled a dagger from her boot and held it to the woman's throat. Wait, Jormund commanded, drawing a pistol from his side. Let's not rush our imminent demise. I don't have time for games, Bryn growled, yanking hard on Nibirie's hair until she wanted a desirable screech. Why have you returned to land? Jormund glanced towards Hjalmar before his attentions returned to Bryn. The end of the world, of course. That already happened, Bryn spat, drawing a sharp tiny line on Nibirie's throat with her dagger. It awarded her another shriek. Jormund laughed. The sound echoed against the thick furs of the tent and sent Bryn's skin crawling. No, little Valkyrie, it hasn't. Speak, then. Bryn kicked at the back of Nibirie's legs, bringing her to her knees. Or you'll enjoy an empty bed tonight. You truly do not know. Hjalmar was the one to speak, taking Bryn by surprise. The Norn rolled back his sleeves, revealing the birthmark the four of them shared. A perfect circle overlain with two lines shaped like an obtuse V. We will finish what has begun. The world as you know it will be no more. Bryn swallowed her first response, then her second. What are you saying? She finally managed. Everyone you know, and don't know, will die. Jormund confirmed her darkest fears. It is as it should have been. The giants will take their rightful place, and nothing shall remain. Of all the information Odette had imparted, nothing had prepared Bryn for the ultimatum that the two men presented. It was puzzling, perplexing. Enough to steal her attention, Nibirie wrestled free from Bryn's grasp, rushing to Jormund's side and leaving the Valkyrie without bargaining material. Why? Has the world not suffered enough? Bryn demanded, cursing beneath her breath as she readied the dagger at her side. Another long look was shared between Hjalmar and Jormund. The silence seemed to stretch for ages before the captain broke it. Return to Odette. Tell her Ragnarok is here. And if I catch any one of your kind near my camp again, you'll be killed on sight. Understand? Bryn glanced from face to face, attempting to glean whatever further information she could. All three were frustratingly blank. Fine. Great. Now get the hell out of my tent. Jormund holstered his pistol, much to Nibirie's vocal dismay. Hjalmar refilled their goblets in silence as Bryn backed out of the room, dagger still raised. Jormund silenced his lover with a stern glance and a few soft words. Once Bryn reached the opening of the tent, she slipped through and took off at a sprint. The freezing night air seemed dull in comparison to the bitter dread weighing heavy on her heart. In a quick survey of the sky, she adjusted her path northward, ignoring the curious stares of casual onlookers. She can make it back to her packs in fifteen minutes, and back to her clan by morning. Why hadn't Odette told her? Who and where were these giants Jormund spoke of? Had they survived the end of the world only to die anyway? Chapter 2. Egil. It had taken a full two weeks to find all the parts. Another week to piece them together. 
and at last, after a fourth week, Egil was ready to try his forge. He carefully placed a section of chicken wire over the hole in the firepot, made from a disc he'd ripped from a car. Once he was satisfied it would stay, he dumped a bag of charcoal into the basin crafted from a lawnmower deck a friend had supplied from his last hunt. He poured lighter fluid he'd scavenged from a grocery store across the coals, soaking them until he was satisfied. With one quick lick from a lighter, they came to life in a blaze. Please work, he whispered his small prayer before turning to one of the pipes. A battery-powered hairdryer pushed air through the grating and towards the fire. He made sure it was turned to high before stoking the coals with a fire iron. His hands were protected by two pairs of oven mitts. Goggles, he hoped were heat-resistant, circled his eyes. Taking one long piece of steel, he shoved it deep into the blood-red coals, allowing it to heat until it glowed a satisfying orange. With two quick steps, he had the steel against a 55-pound anvil he'd dragged back to the camp himself. Sweat beaded above his goggles with every swing of the hammer. The steel's end gradually sharpened to a pleasing point, the metal holding small indentations as reminders of where it was struck. He had done it. He could make real weapons. Not the bullshit traders sold in the wilds at insane premiums. Something that could actually protect him and his allies in battle. Eggle! A familiar voice appeared at the edge of his thoughts. He shoved the steel into a nearby bucket filled with water. The hiss and resulting steam were immensely satisfying. For a moment, he amused himself a real blacksmith. Eggle! They repeated, bringing Eggle back to his senses. Ivan! Sorry about that. Eggle pushed back his goggles and turned to his friend. Ivan motioned to Eggle's hands with a wry smile. Cooking something important, I see. The forge works, he replied, pride winning over embarrassment. We'll have weapons, Ivan. Real motherfucking weapons. And once our enemies run out of bullets, we'll even have an advantage, Ivan quipped, picking up the fire iron to poke at the still-burning coals. Bullets don't last forever. Guns won't last forever, either. We're at the advantage here. Ivan shivered, then held up his hand toward the fire. His pursed lips hinted that he wanted to push the subject further. Maybe. Then maybe the damn Valkyries can get the hell out of here. I mean, so long as we can last through this winter. Did you need something, or did you just come here to bitch? Annoyance crept into Eggle's tone. The last thing he wanted was for Ivan's pessimistic nature to rain on his accomplishment. Thor wants to see you. Ivan was careful to avoid meeting his eyes. Egil noticed. The hairs in the back of his neck stood at attention. Is this about Cory? I don't know, Ivan replied. Maybe it's about your forge. I'm sure he'd be happier knowing we had a steady supply of weapons. The sarcasm in Ivan's tone grated on Egil's nerves. The ribbing was normal and, on any other day, would have been returned in kind. But he'd been waiting on news of his brother for weeks. Maybe... Eggle snagged his coat and kicked open the pipe on his forge to allow the ash to escape. He switched on the blow dryer and turned heel to leave. Eggle, I'm sorry, this is hard on everyone, you know? Ivan offered. Yeah. A cold fear had taken hold. His chest tightened and breathing sped. If Cory was home safe, they'd be sharing a beer right now. For the big man himself to call him in, it wasn't a good sign. It was a short distance from his shelter to the main hall an older, dilapidated business building that his clan had restored to near-working order. Backup generators provided heat and light on special event days, but solar-powered lamps were relied on for the rest of the time. Meeting rooms were turned into storage space for anything useful found on raids, 
from blankets to canned food to weapons and armor. A fetching young woman, Thor's assistant, showed Egil into what had once been a conference room. All of the windows had managed to stay intact, a rare find for any building after the end. Egil, thank you for coming so quickly. A tall, red-headed man stood from his seat and offered a strong hand. Thor, he replied, fighting to maintain calm. His hand felt clammy against his leader's as he gripped it for a handshake. Egil was well-built in tone for his size, but no one in their clan had Thor's strength. Please, sit. Thor motioned to the chair across the oak table. Egil shook his head. It's okay, I prefer to stand. All right. Thor paused to take a deep breath before continuing. As you know, Cordy has not returned yet. Right. He should have been back. Egil began work on the forge mere days after his brother's departure. Something he and Cory had dreamed of doing since they were kids. Jormund had made a camp a handful of days away, and Thor had given Cory a bike to use. So, why- Egil. Cory's dead, Thor said, his tone as gentle as a man of his stature could muster. Egil felt his hands and feet go numb. The tightening of his chest was unbearable. He maintained his composure as best he could. I see. Still, his voice cracked. A messenger from Oded arrived this morning. He and another man were killed by Jormund himself. I'm sorry, Egil. Why had Cory offered so readily to go to the lair of the beast? Jormund was known for slaughtering thousands. What had made his brother think he'd be any different? Gods, what a fucking idiot he'd been. Egil, please have a seat. Thor suggested once more. No. Thank you for telling me. Egil's eyes burned. His vision began to cloud. He would not cry in front of his commander. If there's anything I can do, there isn't. Thanks again. He took his leave without another word. As soon as Egil had returned to the forge, he relit the coals and procured the steel from the bucket. When he went to light the metal, small droplets fell from his cheeks and hissed against the embers. He moved to the anvil and beat the edges into a sharper, flatter slate. With each strike, he recalled his younger brother. The excitement on Cory's face when he told them he could build a forge from scrap. They could really help out in this new hellish landscape. And now, Egil was forced to do it alone. Chapter 3 Kara Of all the main hubs remaining in the wilds, Odette's was by far the most lavish and comfortable. She and her Valkyries had discovered an abandoned stadium in what was once Oregon. Covered in solar panels, practically untouched from the destructive events of the end, and with a height advantage, it served as an impenetrable protective base. The gigantic building was the perfect place to set up camp. The field that once served as a zone for high-ranking football games was now home for the daily training of Valkyries and soldiers alike. It was here that Kara began her morning routine. She was in complete charge of nearly 200 lives, their hygiene, nutrition, and fighting regiments. 120 of them were Valkyries, women who'd pledged their bodies and minds to Odette, the fiercest clan formed after the end. To cause one harm meant facing the furiosity of the pack. Oftentimes, it was a mistake made only once. The other 75 were men determined to join the cause. They proved able fighters and capable hands in battle, but were never given guns. That honor was reserved for the Valkyries. While Kara ran difficult drills on them all, she ran the women harder. Not all women made the cut. 
Even so, Odette never turned away a lost in need, so long as they proved to be an asset. Many served as cooks, gatherers, and hunters. Some men and women were more technologically savvy, maintaining the solar panels and electrical issues that cropped up on a near-deadly basis. The volatile weather, remaining radiation, and wildlife raised hell against their fortress. It would have fallen beneath the smaller clan's rule. All right, that's enough, Kara called, her sweat-drenched t-shirt clinging to her skin. Go get breakfast. High fives and encouraging pats in the back were exchanged. Kara snagged the sleeve of one of the women as she passed by. If I hear you give Hilda a hard time about the coffee again, you'll be on tower duty for a week. Understand? Yes, ma'am, came the embarrassed reply. Tower duty was freezing, lonely, and overnight. It meant 100 steps up a ladder and three steps from being kicked out of the clan. It was the easiest way to get her fighters back in line. Good. Enjoy. Kara released her and moved on to a kneeling young woman packing her gear towards the back. Long brunette hair obscured her face, but Kara recognized her easily. Kara, ma'am, apologies, I seem to be dragging behind. Clear green eyes set in a tanned face met Kara's as she realized she was no longer alone. Bryn, it's alright. Welcome back. Kara offered her hand and Bryn took it. When the two were standing, Bryn's height peaked before their gazes met. Even so, Kara had witnessed Bryn bring down their strongest man in a fist fight. Misjudging her was a grave error. Thank you, Kara. Bryn brushed her hair back from her face, tying it into a tight ponytail. It's good to be home. The scar that ran from just above her eyebrow to the corner of her lips was entirely visible. A recent change in confidence Kara was happy to see in her. How was it? The curiosity burning inside of her since Bryn had returned bubbled over at last. I'm sorry, ma'am. I already told Odette all I know. She did well to maintain a respectful tone, but the exhausted sigh that escaped her lips spoke worlds. Kara shook her head. Odette shared with me what happened. What I want to know is, how are you feeling? Shouldering her bag, Bryn crossed her arms and focused on some invisible object over Kara's shoulder. The morning air was brisk, better than it had been in weeks. I don't believe it's fit for me to share my feelings with Odette's top officer. What I feel is, it's not important. So there was something bothering her. It was written in her face, in her body language, in the hesitation she showed during her training. Bryn, I know you're our newest Valkyrie, but you are the bravest person in this clan. You challenged the monster's den and returned victorious. And yet we're all going to die for it, Bryn snapped. Her face softened immediately once the words had reached Kara's ears. Forgive me, Kara, I forgot my place. I, I didn't mean... You fear Ragnarok, Kara replied, careful to lower her tone. Why don't you come with me and we can talk, just you and I. I'm afraid of a lot of things. Don't you have other more important things to do than entertain one girl's phobias? I don't want to work the tower because I kept you from Odette. Kara waved a dismissive hand. I have nothing until lunch. Come on. Bryn took another few heartbeats to weigh her options before nodding at last and following Kara off of the field. With the other soldiers and Valkyries dismissed, it seemed endless and silent, like a massive target. She took a breath and pushed the thought away. They moved off the astroturf and Kara led the way toward the soldiers' mess hall. However, before they reached the doors, Kara made a sharp right, leading Bryn off towards a collection of offices in the far back of the arena. 
They passed a slew of abandoned food and merchandise stands in various states of disarray. The clan had worked tirelessly to clean out what they could, but Odette had finally made the executive decision to abandon any stalls that wouldn't help or hinder their progress. So in the end, football jerseys, t-shirts, and pom-poms littered the floors. Flags, foam fingers, and horns clung to the walls by single nails. Though more than once, Kara caught a few of their younger members blaring the damn plastic trumpets at ungodly times of the morning. At last, they came to a small office close to Odette's large section of the camp. Kara unlocked the door with the key she kept sewn into a leather bracelet and held it open for Bryn to enter. Flipping on the light revealed a myriad of found objects she'd collected since the end. Famous art pieces smuggled from museums decorated the walls, bookshelves filled to the brim with classic and contemporary literature, and a stereo drowning in stacks of CDs. Cozy, Bryn commented, leaning her training gear against the wall. I'm a sucker for the traditional, Kara smiled, gesturing to a leather swivel chair pulled up to her desk. Odette hates it, sees it as impractical, but I think it's still important. They're beautiful, Kara. Taking her seat, Bryn glanced at each piece of artwork, eyes lingering on one piece in particular. A dark castle stood looming before a tiny boat on its way to discover whatever secrets it may hold. The Isle of the Dead, Kara mused, following her gaze. It reminded me of the end, though now perhaps more. Ragnarok. Is it real? Bryn interjected, the color in her face draining as Kara described the painting. As real as Hjalmar is, Kara sighed, tugging open the bottom drawer of her desk. She pulled from it two glass snifters and a once expensive scotch. What does that mean? Bryn watched her intently, her eyes widening at the appearance of the snifters. She leaned in towards the desk. It means it's as real as Astrid and Neona's visions of redemption. Kara poured heavily, passing Bryn a filled glass. What would our Lainey Norn's visions have to do with Hjalmar's? Bryn sipped off the golden elixir and closed her eyes. You don't know? Kara took her own drink, melting beneath the warmth of the liquor down her throat. The oracles are quadruplets. The four Norns are siblings. Bryn took another draw from her glass. A long pause held the air between them until she spoke again. Kara, the entire reason I risked my life was to discern the cause of Jorman's fleet making port. You're not telling me it was for nothing. Of course it wasn't. You may have saved all of us. Saved this world as we know it, Kara insisted, noting the red hues painting Bryn's cheeks. We follow the words and guidance of two women who may be wrong. Their brother may be right, or Thor's Norn could be the one we should be listening to. We're drawing plans for this new world on faith alone? Her tone slid upward with every word. She was panicking. Bryn, slow down. You're thinking too far into this. Am I? Bryn stood, killing the snifter in one shot and thrusting it back towards Kara. Why didn't they teach me all this in Valkyrie school? Her sarcasm cut like a knife. You would have learned soon, I assure you. Odette's guard alone is privy to this information. A prestigious position you are soon to hold. And if I refuse... Bryn shook her head, moving towards her pack. You took an oath, Bryn. Kara stood, hurrying to the Valkyrie's side and catching her arm. You pledged your life to Odette. I pledged my life to protecting what was left after the end, Bryn snarled, yanking her arm free of Kara's grasp. I didn't agree to live in blissful ignorance of this bullshit happily ever after we're being fed. Protecting these people is exactly what you're doing. We all are. Kara lay a hand on Bryn's shoulder, 
but was brushed off after they barely made contact. This is the right path. Astrid and Iona have seen our future, and it's hard won, but Odette is at its forefront. Bryn shook her head. Or Thor builds an army and overthrows her. Or Jormund stands victorious over a sea of our corpses. You don't know for sure. The Norns don't know for sure. Do you know what happens to Valkyries at defect? Kara desperately grasped for reasons to make Bryn stay. They lead content lives devoid of fraud. They are hunted, Bryn, for sport. Not just by her clan, but hundreds of others. I've seen many smaller hubs place bounties on rogue Valkyries. How would other clans possibly know I've defected? Bryn laughed. You're reaching, Kara. This is below you. In one final, determined act, Kara unsheathed a dagger from her side and seized Bryn's hair. She pushed the young woman to her knees, holding the tip of her dagger against the edge of one wing in her tattoo. They'll know, she sighed. Please don't make me do this, Bryn. Let me go! Bryn thrashed against her grit to no avail. Kara's strength was unmatched in their clan. Just trust me. Stay. Give us time to rebuild and plan. You're all god's damn crazy after everything I did for you! Bryn's shrieks were high and desperate. The threat hadn't worked. Kara knew it had only solidified their decision. I'm sorry, Bryn. With the quick execution of practice, Kara carved two deep lines against the tattoo from one wingtip to the other. The dagger she used was never sharp enough for a clean cut. It ensured ragged, conspicuous scars. She released Bryn as soon as it was done, and watched as the newly ostracized Valkyrie lifted herself from the ground. In furious silence, Bryn wiped the back of her neck with a quivering hand, her lips pulling into a thin line. She pressed her fingers against Kara's shirt, directly over her heart. At last, she lifted her chin and locked Kara's gaze, her eyes wild and desperate. Is Ragnarok real? It very well could be, Kara answered truthfully, dropping her attentions to the bloody print left by Bryn's hand. Goodbye, Kara. Without another word, she shouldered her pack and sprinted towards the barracks. Please be safe, Kara whispered, knowing Bryn was already out of earshot. She wondered how long of a head start she should give her, before relaying the news to Odette. Thanks for listening to this episode of Radio. Once again, Valkyrie was written by Catherine LaCroix. She can be found on Twitter at WhispersFromCat and on Patreon at patreon.com slash whispersfromcat. She's an amazing writer. Absolutely go check her stuff out. Radio is recorded, edited, and produced by me, Shay Kuna, and I can be found on Twitter at Shay Kuna. My intro and outro are The Storyteller, written by Lou Claver. Find more of her work at louclaver.bandcamp.com. That's L-O-U-K-L-A-V-E-R. If you like what you heard, please consider telling a friend. If you want your short story read on the show, you can email me at shaykuna at gmail.com. The logo was designed by Emily Cocotte. Thanks again.